before the human race harnessed the power of fire, there was only darkness. An inky black foreboding abyss that concealed danger, mystery, and fear. Into that darkness brave men would not venture. For as the map says, here there be monsters. Good evening and welcome to Here There Be Monsters podcast. I am your captain, Derek Hayes. Tonight I have a handful of otherworldly stories to tell you. But first, if you've had an encounter with a ghost, creature, entity, otherworldly being, or any other strange phenomenon, I'd love to hear your story. Submitting an account is fast, easy, and simple. Call the 24-hour hotline at one 608 Night. That's 888-608-6444. Wait for the short prompt, then leave your story just as you would a voicemail. Now, some of you have been asking how to submit your stories via email. That's also very easy. Simply email me at heretherebemonsterspodcast at gmail.com or you can head on over to www.heretherebemonsterspodcast.com and click on the Report Your Sighting tab. There you will find a completely anonymous submission field to submit your encounter. Each story goes a long way to make the future episodes of this show great, so please submit today. Now, let's get on with tonight's episode. The night sky. An impervious cloak over the horizon. Impenetrable save for the billions of pinholes punched out by the stars. For centuries, our species has fixated on that black void, mapping, counting, watching, waiting, wandering. Are we alone? Us everyday Joes are not the only ones to ponder and wander. Many stars have had their eyes on the stars as well. Tonight we will hear from four famous people ranging from successful athletes to well-known actors. What they all have in common may surprise you. Our first interview was pulled from episode 310 of the You Made It Weird podcast. In this interview, the Super Bowl winning quarterback from the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, describes an encounter he had several years ago with a strange object in the heavens. Anyway, so you saw a UFO. Talk about that. That's that's my that's my kind of thing. I saw an unidentified flying Where unidentified flying yeah. object yeah. in the sky in New Jersey in 2005. Get out and stay, but whoa. Leave? No, don't leave. Okay. 
You know, I have friends that have seen things. Three friends of mine were on a porch in in, uh, in New York. So, you know, similar, but close, different. Yeah. Close. Were you in rural or, or Ciudad? Uh, rural. Rural. Mm-hmm. Alone? Late at night. I was with a good friend of mine. Um, multiple eyewitnesses saw the same thing. Actually, no. I checked in with him a couple years ago. I said, remember that one night? And before I even finished, he's like, yeah. I think about that almost every day. Get your fire in the sky. Yeah. Okay, so just give me the backstory. Where? What were you doing? What time was it? Well, I was. I had, I had declared for the draft, so I was out there doing a, a show called Cold Pizza for ESPN, uh-huh. which turned into uh, First Take. And I had it uh, early in the morning in, in Newark City, and uh, one of my best friends from college, a teammate, uh, his... Uh, his family was from uh, from Jersey, so I went over for. A, I was going to spend a night with him. He's going to drive in, um, drive me in in the morning. Uh, so I went to his folks' house and had this great uh, Italian dinner. They're a big Italian family, and and so it's you know it's eight courses, and he started at eight and it ends at midnight. And so we're uh, <laughs> you know we're winding down there, and uh, there was a weird siren in the distance. And uh, wait, you heard it as well? Well, let me get to it. All right, let me get to some <laughs> roundabout way of getting to the story. The backstory is important for oh, any okay. ufologists out there. Who, ufologists, yeah, is that what you heard a siren? Said? No, yeah, I'm just going. I heard a you. siren. Yeah, right in the distance. So we go outside. It was it was a snowy night. Um, it was in uh, I think it was in February, uh, and we went outside, and it was uh, it was one of those kind of bright. Uh, bright nights where uh, it's it's overcast, but there's enough light from the moon kind of reflecting off the clouds. I'm guessing where yeah. you can, you know, you can see uh, see things. And, and the next thing you know, we saw something in the sky. And how big? The only uh, way to kind of uh, make it so people can get a, a visual of of kind of what it looked like was if you've seen the movie Independence Day, which is great yeah, movie sure. and they're coming out with another one are they uh yeah according to goldblum i just saw him he's just, been a personal really? favorite of mine oh, wow. yeah yeah so we went outside we saw um but it looked like independence day yeah when the uh when the plane is is uh, uh the it looks like commercial jets kind of flying or maybe it's a military military jet and they're kind of trying to figure out what's coming through the clouds and you see like um just kind of a fiery movement of of cloud i guess mm. Uh, coming through the sky, and then the, you know the plane eventually runs into the spaceship, which is coming in the in the orbit. It was like that in a sense of that it was a large orange, uh, left to right moving uh, object. Whoa! And it wasn't triangular; it was more like a messy shape. You know, because of the overcast uh, nature of the night and the snow, you couldn't make out. Uh, it was it was behind kind of the clouds we were seeing, but it was definitively large in the night sky, moving from the left to right. Again, we're at like twelve thirty at night here. Yeah. Um, and it was me and Steve and his brother that saw it, uh, and it goes out of sight, and we look at each other and go, "What in the f- was that?" Holy shit! Uh, and then, <laughs> yeah, and. <laughs> and the, so what did you say? It goes out of sight. Did it kind of vanish, or it just yeah, it just went out of sight, and you could hear uh, you could hear it moving. Uh, and then when it had been out of sight for a good thirty seconds, and I want to say thirty seconds, it felt like five minutes. Yeah. But uh, but at the time we were kind of like in shock. Then we hear the sound, definitive sound. And anybody who's been to a flyover or been to an air show or just seen Top Gun, you know the sound that a that a fighter jet makes as it flies by. Yeah. And there were about four of those. 
four fighter jets? Now, if you know if you know anything about the UFO sightings, you've done research, um, you know that a lot of times two things are connected to, to UFO sightings. One is the presence of fighter jets. Is that right? Because they're sent out to to look at chase it? them down or to check out what's going on. And yeah. two is that there's a lot of sightings around nuclear power plants. Oh. So to tie it all together, that the alarm we heard was from 30 miles out. There was a nuclear power plant that had an alarm that went off. Uh, well, Aaron, you were right to shush me. The, that's, uh, the, that's a good detail. The, <laughs> you know, and actually, the alarm went off an hour later. No. We were still in shock still, so we all ran downstairs and uh, and ran outside and, and we're like, oh, is something else coming? And we didn't, oh you know, nothing nothing else showed up. But, uh, but again, in typical... Uh, fashion there was no uh no mention of it the next day yeah now it might have been after press time so we said all right the day after there's got to be something right yeah nothing oh my god have you talked about it before uh i've i've told a a lot of people this is a scoop scoop? this is definitely (laughs) a scoop (laughs) that's crazy man roger's account is particularly interesting because he really has nothing to gain by telling his story His job is to play football and sell whatever products he endorses. Neither of those would be benefited by him sharing this story. In fact, many could argue that going public with his story could only hurt him further, making him less credible or at the very least making him look foolish for believing in UFOs altogether. So for that, thank you Mr. Rogers for sharing your encounter. Our next tale also comes from a famous athlete, an athlete whom sadly passed away recently so this particular encounter has been making its rounds in the news circuit. The following story was found in the Stars and Stripes on December 2nd of 1970. The headline reads, UFOs reported by Clay and others. A number of New Yorkers, including boxer Cassius Clay, reported seeing unidentified flying objects early Tuesday. Astronomer Dr. Franklin Branley said the sightings probably were of Venus. Venus is extremely brilliant at this time, said Brindley, chairman of the Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History. And invariably, when people see it, they think they see it move, jump around, and carry on in all sorts of erratic behavior. It's probably due to atmospheric distortion. Police headquarters said a patrolman in a squad car reported seeing a UFO over Queens. Clay and a sports writer covering the boxer as he did his early morning road work in Central Park cited a bright light larger than a star light due east of Manhattan. Later, Clay, the reporter, and the trainers watched another point of light streaking due north until it was obscured by the trees. LaGuardia Airport Police also received reports of UFOs. Clay said he's often seen UFOs when he does his early morning road work. They're up there all the time and the government is keeping it a secret, he said. I see them when I run in the morning. Now, Having been a victim of Venus myself, I'm going to have to agree with Dr. Branley on this one. You see, back in December, I had to make a late-night trip to my office in Beverly Hills. As I made my way through the fairly deserted city, I noticed a bright light in the southwestern sky. Now, Los Angeles is no stranger to helicopters. In fact, they're a regular occurrence, and to be honest, most of us tend to ignore the fact that they're even there. So my first thought was that this was simply a police helicopter with a searchlight on. But after driving nearly a mile, the light did not change positions at all. So I quickly ruled out the possibility of it being a helicopter. 
I should also add that seeing stars of any kind deep within the city is difficult at best, so I was quick to rule that out as well. I stared at the light the entire 20-minute drive to my office. It never wavered and never changed positions. It was only at this point that it dawned on me that Venus was visible this time of year. Sure enough, after a few minutes of Google searching, I solved the mystery. But for a few minutes, I was alarmed at what I was seeing. It was simply too bright and too large to be anything other than a flying object, or so I thought. If you head on over to the show notes for this episode, you can see an example of what I saw that night. Our next encounter comes from a man that not only has vast knowledge of space, but he's also been there. Gordon Cooper was an American astronaut who flew missions for the Mercury program. After his retirement, Cooper became very vocal regarding encounters he'd had while serving. Here's a segment taken from an interview Cooper did for Serious Disclosure Exclusive. Well, these objects kept coming over at the flying the same kind of formation that we fly in our fighters. We were flying in Germany, and we were flying F-86s. And they would come over and do the same maneuvers that we make, except every once in a while one of them would go zip. And you just can't do that in a fighter, it's a conventional fighter. Was this on radar or was this a visual? <clears throat> no, it was on visual. You could see them from... Uh, what started was the weatherman was tracking a weather balloon and he saw these objects with his binoculars. And so uh, uh, you know, that started people getting out and looking at them and then we decided to put some airplanes up and see what they were. But we couldn't get, uh, couldn't get to them. They were higher and faster. So we couldn't tell whether they were large and long ways away or whether they were smaller and closer in. It was difficult to gauge what they're exactly what their size was. They were definitely in formation. What year was this? In uh, 51, about 1951. Do you think the Russians had that kind of technology back then? No. So, um, how close would you say you might have gotten to them? I mean, you definitely determined that there were objects that I were don't under know. intelligent control, or was it... Well, yeah, they weren't just random. They were flying. Uh, they were flying fighter formations, very definitely under positive control. They're just typical uh, saucer shape, d- double lenticular shape, metallic looking. I think they were definitely piloted vehicles. Each one with the pilot in it, and very definitely in communication with one another, because they would have flights of more than. Then four, they'd have flights of maybe 12 or 16, all across, and when they'd make a turn, they'd cross the flights in under, and they had to be in communication to be coordinated. Yeah, every once in a while, one would zip off to the side, just do a lateral man- maneuver out to the side. Much as you, much as you, you've ever seen the lights, the, <coughs> the UFOs that they filmed over Clear Lake, California, have you seen those films? How they'll sit there in formation, and all of a sudden, I want to go. Shh. I think they were extraterrestrial pilots flying, no doubt about it. Well, that was. <coughs> I was. Found, I was having some cameramen film the installation of a of a precision landing facility that we were putting in right on the edge of the dry lake, and this saucer flew right over them and put down three little gear and landed out on the dry lake bed, and they went out to. Uh, 
<clears throat> picked up their cameras and moved on out toward him filming. And he lifted off, put the gear back in the well, and climbed out at a very high rate of speed and disappeared. And so while I was uh, going through all the regulation books and finding out the number to call in Washington to report it, uh, I had them go over and develop the film. By the time they got back with the developed film, I was on the higher and higher and higher <coughs> level officer talking to me. Finally, with the colonel telling me to, uh, you know, when the film arrived at my desk, to put it in the carrier pouch, there would be a courier there at my office by that time already, and, and they'd arrange for him to fly in our base airplane back to Washington with these films, and uh, do not run prints, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we stuck them in the courier pouch. Did you watch the film? We didn't have a chance to run it. I had a chance to hold it up to the window and look at it. It was certainly a good film. Good close-up shots? Good close-up shots. Nothing like I'd ever seen. Double lenticular shape. Same. Didn't have a cupola on it or anything. It was a, pretty much the same basic shape. But this time I was involved in the research and development and doing very classified programs myself, you know, at the test center. So I knew that we didn't have any vehicles of that kind, and I was 99 9 percent sure that the Russians didn't have any of that type either. So it certainly, there were certainly was, at that point in time, there was no doubt in my mind that this vehicle was uh, made at some other place than here on Earth. You send it on just like you ordered them to do, and, uh, you know, do what they tell you what, what they tell you to do. You know, I was working at the time, I was working on a little program that nobody knew about. We were not allowed to discuss with our family or discuss with anybody, and that was the U2 program. So, so it was in the same category, really. In my opinion, I think they were worried that it would panic the public if they knew that someone had vehicles that had this kind of performance way back right after World War II, a period of time. So they started telling lies about it. And then I think they had to cover another lie, you know, tell another lie to cover their first lie, and now they don't know how to get out of it. Now it's going to be so embarrassing to admit that all these administrations have, uh, have told a lot of untruths that it's going to be embarrassing to get out of it. Do you think they want to get out of it? And Well, I, I think basically each and every president would probably like to get out of it, would like to come clean on the deal and not have to uh, continue to tell this truth. Eventually, when there's going to be something happen that, uh, that will make all of them have egg all over their face, and they're going to have to admit that the, you know, they haven't been truthful at all. Cooper is not the only astronaut to speak out publicly about UFOs. Buzz Aldrin, Donald Slayton, and Scott Carpenter, along with many others, have shared their encounters over the years. As with Rogers, I can't help but feel that speaking out on this subject can only hinder Cooper's professional career, as opposed to aid it. So why would he come forward with this information if it were not true? Is it possible that this trained observer simply remembered his encounter incorrectly? I highly doubt that. All 
Our last interview comes from an actor who's no stranger to the paranormal. He's busted plenty of ghosts, played an alien on both television and the big screen, and owns a popular line of vodka named after the mysterious Mayan Crystal Skulls. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Saturday Night Live himself, Dan Aykroyd. In an interview Aykroyd did with Sway in the Morning, he described his personal encounters with UFOs, and it's no surprise that his stories are remarkable. Take a listen. You know, so I, I, I'm a believer. I've seen four, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they weren't uh, meteoric bolide. I'm pretty sure wait, they weren't wait, mercury. Wait, you talk, man. Where did you see four? Yeah, you, you said you, see, right you saw it. four? Yeah, I, well, uh, I was in Martha's Vineyard one night at 3 in the morning, and uh, I went out actually on the deck to, uh, to relieve myself because I like uh, to do that outside because I'm a man. Did you defecate or did you piss? Uh, no, no. That, uh, <clears throat> I'd like to master that. That would be... Yeah, that, that. Uh, no, I was just having a leak out there, and, uh, and I saw these two objects uh, uh, at about 100,000 feet glowing very brightly flying uh, edge to edge two discs and uh, you know very very bright just uh, just like uh, you know round and, and, and vividly bright and so I called my wife out and I called two other people that were sleeping in the house I said come out you got to see this and we watched as these things lazily sort of zigzagged across the sky at what must have been around 20,000 miles an hour wow. now, I know that wow. wasn't a planet I know aircraft I've I've been in a, 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 an F-5 fighter plane. I've been in helicopters. I've basketballed a DC-10 uh, simulator down the runway. Uh, I've been in a B-25. I, I know aviation. Tunnels. It was yeah. not, you know, that. So that was the first one. And uh, the second one was uh, I was at my farm, and I was going out uh, into town going to dinner, and it was at night, and I saw this little red light coming along the, the power lines that run uh, on the other farm next to me and uh and a little red light moved along and i'm like that's got to be a helicopter and i'm looking and so i got a police bike and it's got the wigwags on it the uh, yeah. the lights so i turn them on and i and you know just to kind of see if i can attract attention and the thing comes right over and about 700 feet above me it shines a light on me uh-huh. and i'm listening i'm listening i gotta hear rotor wop what I, I gotta hear rotor wash i gotta hear i gotta hear an engine here i gotta yeah. hear an engine i hear no engine you heard nothing and and that thing popped that light on me really bright light and I kind of looked at it, and then the light winked off, and the thing just floated really, really slowly away, you know, slower than, than a helicopter might have been going. Now, the fourth one was I was in Montreal, Canada. I was in a hotel room watching spiders make webs on the 23rd floor of the Queen Elizabeth Hotel. They the were number up there. 23. Mm. Yeah. And this thing was coming along, and it was a big square thing. It looked like a bunch of party balloons all stuck together, and I'm thinking, that's going to be the biggest party balloon set that I've ever seen. It was a big gray thing. It must have been, oh, I'm thinking maybe 100 feet long and maybe 10 feet across. Big square thing. It comes and it just stops. And there's no strings, no, you know, it's not like a barrage balloon or a blimp or anything. It just stops and it slowly turned and then just drifted off over the river. And I'm thinking, man, that that's unconventional. Then I went back to look at my book that I have where I have some references uh-huh. there and I, I saw one just like it. So I, I believe I've seen four. Okay. I, I, I believe the reports of other people you know and what? I think there's something going on. Dan Aykroyd is here. I highly suggest you watch Dan Aykroyd's 2005 documentary Dan Aykroyd Unplugged on UFOs. I will include a link to it in this episode's show notes or you can simply search for it on YouTube. The man really knows his stuff when it comes to alien spacecraft. Now, before I leave you, I wanted to read a story submitted by a listener just this afternoon. I thought the story tied in perfectly with what we were discussing. So here it is. Hi, I just discovered your podcast from Reddit and I'm really enjoying it. Anyway, 
I saw that your next episode will be on UFOs, so I figured I'd send my experience in. This was a couple years ago. I was coming home from a friend's house and listening to a podcast who happened to be talking about the constellation Orion. It was late, around 11pm to midnight, and in the middle of winter in Tennessee, so the stars were out and the sky was very clear. As I was pulling into my street, I had stopped the car just so I could find Orion and appreciate the stars for a minute. It was then that I noticed there was a bright light in the sky that looked like a star, but also looked closer than a star should have been. It hovered there for less than a second, but then took off very quickly. It was in the southwest part of the sky and took off headed west. It left a slight trail behind it, almost like you see in movies when a spaceship jumps into hyperspace. And it was traveling so fast, it seemed to just blink out of sight, not go behind the horizon or anything like that. It left its light trail in its wake and then was just gone. I was shocked. I pulled into my driveway and just sat there thinking, Oh my god, was that a UFO? I just saw a UFO. Full disclosure, there's an airport fairly close to my house. We do have planes that fly over every now and then. However, the airport is to the east of us, and I never see a plane take this route in the sky. I've also never seen a plane move like this thing did. And we've lived here almost nine years now. Anyway, that's my UFO story. Keep up the great work. Thank you for submitting your story, and remember, if you have a tale to tell, please call the hotline at one 608 night or go to www.heartherebemonsterspodcast.com to submit anonymously like our previous submitter did. While you're on the site, check out the show notes for tonight's show and get caught up on past episodes. Follow the show on Instagram and Facebook, and rate and review the show on iTunes. It only takes a minute or two and it goes a long way to help the show grow. Head over to Cryptopia.us and show the guys over there some love by reading their blog. And lastly, help me pay for this wild ride. You see, I'm an artist on the side. I create all kinds of dark art. In fact, I just sold a replica mummified Egyptian phallus to a customer back east. So if you're a fan of this show, you will love what my shop has to offer. Just simply head over to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, and search for The Rag and Bone Emporium. Now that's N as in Nancy, not A-N-D. Or simply follow the links found on the show's website. Alright folks, that's it for tonight. Thank you as always for listening, and until next week. <laughs>